Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode one of Chance and the Kraken. I am Chance. I write the games of chance.blogspot.com. With me, as always, is Alex. Alex, how you doing this week? Well, Alex didn't know you were actually going to go with that title, so Alex is a little little tickled. No, okay, well, okay. Well, here's, here's how it's going to work for the listener. Uh, you've clicked on the Chamberlain and Chance podcast, and what you've got is me and Alex, because uh, Chance or Chamberlain is on a hiatus. He's taking a break. And, uh, you know, he's still doing the blog. We wish him well. What was that game that he was playing this week? There was a game he was playing this week that he just hates. Uh, that sounds like Jim. Yeah. Uh, InfiniteBacklog.blogspot.com is Chamberlain's account. And he is, uh, yeah, he, oh yeah, he was complaining about Detroit Become Human. Uh, that imaginary conversation between the <laughs> and everything. He, he's off rekindling his love of games, and David Cage is not going to be the individual that does that for him. Yeah, he's not. He's he's not going to help you love video games anymore. If anything, he's going to be like, "This is why the industry has to burn." I'm thinking of like one of the crappier uh, Treehouse of Horrors where they did a uh, AI, and like the, the like Bart's like one of the the AI, but like he's in with all the other like misfit robots, and he's like at some point he's like, "All right, I get it." God, you love, but you're not. You don't understand love. I get it. it. Sucks to be you. That's the entire game for me, from what I've seen. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sad that I'm not playing that. Uh, Chamberlain is also playing Vampire right now, which he actually makes sound super interesting anytime he emails me about it. Yeah, I can't. I can't pay forty bucks for that. Yeah, I'm I, not going to either. I cannot justify it. I'm not going to touch that shit. Like you, you came at Bloodborne and just embarrassed yourself. What are we talking about? The Vampire. You think you think Vampire is coming for Bloodborne? Like it's trying to do sort of like that dodge stamina combat stuff. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not, man. Wow, I've never actually seen combat, so I had no idea it is that it's a bitter insult compared to what? Bloodborne, and it's just I've something heard I can't stomach. Nothing but horrible things about the combat. I can't even believe they would try to attempt that. It's it's bad, man. Like I, I saw again, Jim Sterling just like putting up with it. And I'm like, nothing is worth this. Don't Nod did make the combat system in Remember Me, and that was absolutely horrible. Yeah, those guys. It was horrible. It was ab- Oh my god. Chamberlain's got Captain Toad Treasure Tracker in his, uh, in his backlog. I, I always had a soft spot for Toad, so I'm glad there's like a good thing with his name on it. Yeah, it is It is good, and um, I'm not sure I can even give it a recommend, though. Oh no, why not? But at the same time, like, I'm writing, I, I just, I put up a God of War review the other day, and listener, if you've read that review, you know that, like, 75% of the stuff I have to say about God of War is not happy about it. And, but at the core, it's a really, really good game. It is an amazing game. But I have a ton of complaints. With Captain Toad, there's nothing to complain about. It's fine. It's okay. Nothing wrong. So, you so. know, like a middling ratchet and clay. No, not even then. Not even then, because a middling Ratchet and Clank, I could point to things that are wrong with it, mm. to things that they made a bad decision. And here's one example, like that new Ratchet and Clank where Ratchet is running away from the giant robot, and you have to like oh, dodge the flames. Yeah. Remember that? Ugh. Wasn't that fucking awful? Yeah, but it was still a really good game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I can't say anything about that about Captain Toad. It is not interesting enough to have those problems almost. But everything that's there is is exactly as it should be. It's it's really simple. It's not particularly ambitious. Um, it's like uh, a, a good example I like to use is how the white stripes combine confine themselves to one guitar and a drum kit and sometimes piano, three instruments. That's all they ever had in a white stripe song. And Jack White intentionally did that so that he would really have to push himself to be creative with just those three instruments. That's kind of what Captain Toad feels like. 
is we have very, very simple rules, we have very, very tiny worlds, and these tiny worlds are fucking adorable. It is like, I, I, I put up a game diary today that I think captures it really well. It's like, imagine if you created a tiny little Mario level inside a cube terrarium, and then uh, took away the glass. Is it a fixed camera? No, you can spin it around this beautiful little little tiny Mario Mario land. Okay. And and as Captain Toad or Toadette, you just walk around this place, and you've got to, uh, your objective is to get to the star. Uh, there's a star in every level, and you just get to that, you beat the level. And then, um, but in the level, there's always three gems that you can find to get towards 100% completion of the level, and then there's always some sort of secret challenge. And the secret challenge is only revealed to you after you beat it the first time. And it'll be something like, make it through this entire level without getting hit. Uh, Collect 70 coins while you're in the level before getting the star. Um, There's one level where almost everything that you can pull up from the ground turns out to be a pickaxe, and you use this pickaxe to smash through bricks that are in the level uh, to uncover all the other secrets and shit. But the secret uh, trick to that one is get through that entire level without ever smashing a brick. And so these are just... And it's not hard. It's not hard at all. You just have to decide to do it. None of these are particularly challenging. Is it ever like... I think it's like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which like every mission had a secret parameter, but you didn't know what you were supposed to be doing until after you failed it. Um, that, drew, not, that drew me nuts. No, not until after you fail it. You have to, you have to complete the, the map once to be told what the secret condition is. Okay. And usually that secret condition is easy as pie. You just have to decide to do it. And not only that, but when if I, if I find one gem and then get the star, go back into the level, as far as the level is concerned, I've already found that, I've already found that gem. So what I could do is I could, uh, I could collect all three gems, get the star, find the secret condition, go back into the level, complete the condition, just grab the star, do nothing else. I've 100 percented this level, and once you've 100 percented it, that page gets a stamp, thump on it, <laughs> and each chapter is laid out like a book that you have to flip pages between levels. And when you see each of these pages with that little with that little stamp in the upper right corner, there's something kind of satisfying about it. Like it, it's 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 there is something satisfying, and there is still something. That's nice and pleasant about, you know, just discovery. Ooh, here's that thing. Ah, you were hiding from me, but I found you. That's, it's still pleasant, but it's not something, it's not like Hollow Knight, where I was really feeling like, holy shit, I gotta get back to Captain Toad. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's never, it's never made that impression on me. It's, it's just kind of there. It's okay. It's nice. There's nothing wrong with it. Exploration, puzzling, sort of. Puzzle exploration game. That's, that's the best you could call it. And it's a tiny little game. I think it's like 50 bucks Canadian on Switch. It's an upport of a Wii U game that didn't get enough love because it was on fucking Wii U. Um, but yeah, it's very... It's very vanilla ice cream. There's nothing offensive here. It's kind of sweet. But how it's long sweet. can you just eat vanilla ice cream? I can't. So after after a while of like this really saccharine, soft niceness, I have to go back into Hollow Knight and just fuck around for a little bit. Isn't it just nice being there? It is, it is. But but after a while I'm I'm I slowly am kind of reminded that I know every hallway of Hollow Knight. This yeah. game this game holds no more surprises for me. And yet And I want to explore something. And then it's time for Captain Toad again. That is a nice little like cycle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it is it is working out. It is working so out. So you're listening well. to the soundtrack now. Um, when I can, mm-hmm. you know, it is amazing. You're absolutely, you're right. It is absolutely amazing. Like just, like just, how just pleasant the Green Path is the hundredth time you've heard it. Yeah, like every every area, 
I don't think I've I don't think I've cranked the volume on an area and ever thought that the music didn't fit or ever didn't think that the music was lovely. And not just the music, but all the sound effects for every character. Like there's some characters when you kill them and they die, they go like that. Like they like you feel kind of bad about it. Yeah, and like the gibberish has like some like weird like it 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 feels like they just tried a lot harder than just you know Zelda like a murmur murmur uh, yeah. I feel yeah. like they tried to make a language. They didn't, but they tried. It's not so much language, it's tone. It's tone. Like, you really hear how haughty Zot is. Or Zot? Yeah. Is it Zot? Yeah, you really yeah. hear how haughty he is. And you really you really feel how sweet that girl in the mines is. I think of her as a girl. Maybe she's not. No, that's um, definitely a female voice actor. Yeah, but... but and, and you really feel like they paid a lot of attention to that. So, so that each of these characters in Hollow Knight actually kind of feels like a real person just from the tone of their huh? yeah just that that's all it, that's all they need and they invest it with so much character it's really wonderful it remains a 10 out of 10 as far as I'm concerned and like there's like that uh, one tiny thing that I loved about it the um, when you're in the uh, the queen station and you see that like giant like anteater mm. sort of like thing mm-hmm. and you're like oh these things exist I wonder what the hell that's supposed to be and then later on, you get the uh, Grim Troop, and you see that, oh, those things are supposed to be pack animals. Oh, I never not thought of that. Yeah. That's why they're hanging out out front, like, kneeling like camels. Well, I was, there was something I forgot to mention as I was doing the introduction to the fact that Chamberlain is no longer among us. Yes. I always reined us in whenever we started talking about things that weren't very pop culture related. Mm-hmm. Like, we kind of stick it to, we, we keep to movies, sci-fi, video games. And I I wonder, you know, in Chamberlain's absence, should the show not perhaps more reflect Alex's sensibilities and interests? Should we have a little bit where we just vent about Trump once a week? Um, or is a no. podcast about video games a safe space where the listener comes to not think about that shit? Let's do that. Okay. Because I would it would have to it would be so cuz I'm I'm documenting it. I'm I'm going to practically write like a uh, non-fiction book about this. Mm. It consumes my life enough. Fair enough. And like I'm I'm also like kind of like I'm doing a couple like I'm fleshing out some like short stories for like a little like Lovecraft um hmm. not, what's the word? Uh anthology. Novella? Oh, okay. Basically I'm going nuts waiting for Bloodborne 2 and I'm going to make my own Yarnum if no one else is going to do that. Uh, I think Bloodborne 2 you're looking at you're looking at Sekiro. The Sekiro what? is the, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is the evolution of the fast-paced Souls combat, I think. Well, that that's nice, but like I I really need someone to take a crack at a Lovecraft RPG. Oh. I really need another Lovecraft RPG. Well. And I don't hate what I've got so far. What have you got so far? Oh, you're like, talking about your design. Yeah, and like oh, okay. you, I shouldn't talk about it while I'm writing it because like you'll just stop writing it. But hmm. wow, I had a point here. Oh yeah, I really nailed your ass to the wall with that Raylan thing yesterday. The witch now? The Raylan thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come on, my ID is good, right? And Which? then, while the deputy is in prison, recovering from the gunshot, of course, he is obviously plotting his revenge. He's he's this show's boy Crowder. Oh shit! You see, I wasn't even gonna put. Okay, um, we had a Twitter thing the other day, where I said like I had a dream that I really did I had a dream where I was watching uh, Justified Miami because when Justified ends, Raylan's just sort of like in a good place in Miami, but he's not like he's like a stepdad thingy. Is he in Miami? For some reason, I thought he was on the uh, the West Coast. No, he's I don't know in why Florida. I got that feeling. Okay, okay. That's where the show started too. And I, 
I said that it should be like Raylan is art, and oh. he's trying to rein in like another uh, young buck that's like killing, that's like just shooting just way more than they should. And my initial reaction to that, which was not on Twitter, was yes, yes, yes. Wait a minute, is it equal parts Raylan and the deputy, or is the deputy like? Like the star of the show. I think we'd have to be both at first, but then we'd figure out which is the better story and just sort of lean one direction. Yeah, but if it's the deputy, then what you're doing is you're using the the established and beloved character of Rayland to launch this other IP, which is which is again Indiana Jones, Crystal Skull, fucking the kid puts on Indiana Jones's hat at the end, and you're like, Doesn't no, have God, to be like please, that. no. It could be it could be Creed. I'm saying it's the same. I never saw Creed. It's really good. Well, I'm saying it's just basically the same idea. And Raylan is such an amazing, awesome, cool character. I want to see old man Raylan. I want to see the show that focuses on him. That'd be you cool. You think he wouldn't be in position of authority? No, I think he would. Okay. I think he could be. But would, would he still be the cool, crazy Raylan doing that, doing that stuff that just barely skirts reason that we love so much? No, because we see him commit to being a better father towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, and that if he if Raylan's still kind of like he was before the show ended, then nothing he did really mattered. Because the maybe. best thing he can do is just be there for his daughter, even if he's not like the main father figure in her life. Because he owes his wife, ex-wife, that fucking much. But we're not saying Winona. that Raylan's that good of a person. I never liked Winona. No, no, it was it was better when she left. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, well, uh, oh, God. Okay, there were two movies that I saw. Okay. Uh, have you seen Swiss Army Man? Did we talk about that? No, I, I read what happens in it, and I'm good. Okay. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. Okay. Like, absolutely love it. Um, okay, so, uh, for the listener, Swiss Army Man begins with, uh, did you see There Will Be Blood? Remember, I drink your yeah, milkshake. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of that guy. Well, no, not that actor, but the the kid who played the preacher in yeah. There Will Be Blood uh, is uh, is on a desert island, and he's got like you know he's got a beard. He's obviously been out here for a while, and he's about to hang himself. He's got a bunch of rags and shit tied up to a cave entrance, and um, and as as the movie begins, it pans across the water, and you see these little messages in a bottle. I help me, I'm trapped on an island. I'm so lonely. I just want to talk to someone. And then as the camera continues to pan, the ships in the water, these little cardboard ships, get more and more crazy and elaborate. And there's just writing all over them about how lonely this person is and how they're clearly losing their mind, basically. And then the camera pans up to show him about to try to hang himself on account of how lonely he is. He doesn't want to die alone. And then he looks down at the beach, and there is a human body on the beach. And he's like, oh my god, are you okay? And he kind of freaks out a little bit, and he kicks the thing out from underneath him, and he hangs for a moment, and then the rope snaps, and it's funny. Yeah. And then he runs down to the beach to, to find the body. And the body is Daniel Radcliffe of Harry Potter fame. And uh, very much dead. Very much dead. And he's he's like, you know, pressing on, oh, please be okay, please be okay, I just, I'm so lonely, I just want someone to talk to. And he presses on them, and the body makes a noise. He's like, oh my god, maybe he's alive. And the body starts to shake a little bit. Yeah. And then begins to fart. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, he's just farting. <laughs> he's just farting. And then the body continues to shake. And he backs up. He's like, what the fuck is this? And the body's really shaking. 
and he's really farting and it starts to like flow back out into the surf and the the farting action of the corpse is creating like a jet ski effect where the corpse <laughs> is just zooming around in a circle and the guy realizes this is his chance to get off the desert island and he goes and he leaps on the body and he grabs the guy's tie like it's like it's a, a yoke or something and they jet off across the ocean to freedom and that is the opening of Swiss Army Man and the guy is clearly insane clearly absolutely insane but as he lands ashore and keeps on trying to survive in this wilderness, he finds that anything he needs for his survival can actually be provided by this corpse. And like when he's when he's uh, run out of drinking water, if he tilts the guy's head the right way, water will just flow out of the, Daniel Radcliffe's mouth. If he needs something to cut something, Daniel Radcliffe's teeth will do it. Um, he figures that if you jam something down Daniel Radcliffe's throat and jerk him at a certain angle, he will shoot it shit like a harpoon gun. And so, hence the title, Swiss Army Man. And over the course is, of it... I, you, you describing this as like a fever dream. Yeah, yeah. You know, the whole movie feels that way. That it's this is wonderful. exhausting. It's fucking wonderful. <laughs> and, yes, and at a point, Daniel Radcliffe begins to speak. And so, the, the lost guy starts telling Daniel Radcliffe all about life and what life is like and what love is. And so... Uh, you're learning about this guy's understanding of what's important in life through what he teaches this corpse, and as as the movie progresses, they the um, the insanity of it just gets more and more. But even as the movie is careening off into the most surreal, fucked up shit you've ever seen in your life, I I at least really felt that at the core of what we're seeing here was a real a real genuine and earnest emotional truth about this character and then I really reflected what, myself. Which is? Um, no, just just expression of emotion. Okay. An expression, expression of longing and expression oh, okay. of Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Like, it was, it was just beautiful. And then you get to the end and, um, and the end is reality landing on this guy. And and oh, what okay. he actually is, mm. and and re and we the viewer are no longer along for this guy's wild ride. We're we're feeling so bad for him, and and it's it's like watching a dementia patient uh, plead with someone to believe them. You know, like it's it's so heartbreaking. And then the last very I don't want to get into the very last moment of the movie, but I fucking loved Swiss Army Man. I okay. loved this movie. It is crazy and hard to watch and and almost a little but boring. Worth it in the end. For me, yes, this was one of these profound movies that I don't feel affected by very often. And um and yeah, I absolutely loved Swiss Army Man. I absolutely loved absolutely loved it. Well, I love that you loved it. And is I, it on Netflix? It is on Canadian Netflix at the very least. Hmm. That's where I okay. saw it. I will have to get very drunk and check this out. Oh, and because it wasn't in the podcast last week, listener, if you want to watch A Quiet Place, do not rent or buy it off the PlayStation Network store because it won't have fucking subtitles. And the entire movie takes place in American Sign Language, uh, which, you know, you and I probably don't it, speak. It's not a complete waste of time. You lose a lot about what their relationship is specifically, but all the actions beats work, and they are the best part of the movie. Is there any explanation of what the creatures are or where they came from that's in the nope. ASL? Oh, okay. Well, then that's... No, you know, it's all about their relationship, and it's all about like how they've been dealing with not making sounds for like four years. Have you seen any, uh, any cool movies that need to be mentioned? Or not shitty movies that need to be mentioned? I've seen a shitty movie. Uh, let's just talk about the shitty movie, and I'll talk about like a show I've been watching. 
Okay. I skipped uh, Goldie Hawn and Amy Schumer in Snatched. Okay. Didn't see it. And I kind of want to just because I love Amy Schumer and, you know, Goldie Hawn was a classic of the 80s when I grew up. But I bought, because it wasn't available to rent yet, I spent 20 bucks to buy I Feel Pretty off PlayStation Network. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, Amy Schumer's not doing so great. Uh-huh. She, I really she was didn't like funny. the leather. I didn't really didn't like the leather special on network. Like, when is her fucking TV show coming back? The TV show was gold. Yeah, I think it's over. Yeah, Inside Amy Schumer was brilliant. It reliably. was really good. Actually, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's one episode. Yeah, there's that one sketch. It's like just like a, literally a five minute cunnilingus joke that is fucking hilarious. There's actually, uh, if you're interested in feminist sketch comedy, it might be on Netflix. It's a Canadian series called. Um, uh, Baroness Von Sketch. Okay. I just discovered this in the last month. It's on its second season on Netflix. Uh, it's pretty good. And it's okay. very dry. It's very Canadian, but it's very modern. I really like it. Anyway, uh, I Feel Pretty has the most basic fucking shit to say about body image and um, and what we value in ourselves. And this is like shit that you learn before you're out of grade school. Like, like back to school special shit. Uh-huh. And it doesn't have anything really interesting or meaningful to say to that. The most interesting jokes out of the premise of Amy Schumer hitting her head and suddenly believing that she's like supermodel hot, the most interesting permutations of that are delivered within 20 minutes of it occurring. And the rest is just pretty boring. Pretty boring. And it's one of these movies where this entire thing, you know this would end if some people would just have an honest conversation no, with each other. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely one of those. But what was amazing in this movie was Michelle Williams. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I now, love Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams, to me, will always be the blonde on Dawson's Creek. That's where I first met Michelle yeah. Williams. But um but in this show, she's basically unrecognizable as herself. She plays the uh she plays the CEO of like a Lululemon but kind of uh makeup company. Okay. That that Amy Schumer's Amy Schumer's character is uh, a tech support for basically. She manages the website and uh but she's um but she's ended up brought in, brought into consult because they're trying to launch a line for just like your normal Kmart shopper. And they decide that Amy Schumer can give them some good advice. And Michelle Williams just the entire thing in this light, breezy little voice. Mm. But she, like, really commits to the character. Like, you never get the sense... Like, it took me probably 15 minutes to go... That's Michelle fucking Williams. Uh. That's not just someone with a weird voice. That's Michelle Williams creating this character. It was stunning. Michelle Williams should get, like, a fucking supporting actress nod for that. Nah. She was incredible. She was absolutely incredible. You're right. It's not not that good. Did you ever... Uh, see Fringe. Mm. No, but I've heard good things. Like, Joshua Jackson's great in that. Okay. Like, he's a better actor than most people give him credit for. He didn't get many opportunities. He didn't get any opportunities. But he is yeah. Canadian. Is he? Mm. Yeah, that entire show so. is... If it makes you feel any better, the entirety of Fringe is in Canada. Most they, most sci-fi shows are filmed in Canada. It's really cheap to film up here. Yeah, like and like almost all of the Expanse is so Canadian. Supernatural filmed entirely in Canada in Vancouver. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's why they're always running through the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful woods out in BC. Beautiful woods. Beautiful. Well, unless it's ice. Beautiful everything, Canada. 
Yeah, but even the ice. Even the, you know what? Even the ice. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Man, we, there. Yeah, there's there's definitely some romance to winter. Yeah, when the light hits the when the morning like sun hits the ice just the right. Yeah, way. The, the the glittering snow or just walking. One of the things I love is walking around under streetlights when thick like really thick heavy snow is falling. Oh, at night. And you look up into the streetlights. Oh fuck, it's beautiful. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But first, before we can get to that, we have to have that one day in the fall when the wind is blowing and it's blowing all the leaves off the tree. Uh-huh. Oh, 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 I love that day. That's a great day. Like, it, it's getting weird in America now. Like, there isn't a fall. Really? Yeah, it's... Uh, you're trying to think about it too much, but, uh... Like, it's just, like, the leaves sort of stay on to, like, late October, and you don't... It doesn't really fall as much as it used to, and... and yeah. Do you get snow where you are? Um, sometimes. Oh, okay. Like, like, like every other year, sometimes. Oh wow, that'd be yeah. sweet. Yes, it, it is sweet in retrospect. You Actually, miss you miss snow. I lived in a town once. I, I've lived all over Western Canada, and uh, I lived in a town called Kamloops in British Columbia once. It snowed once all winter there, left like an inch and a half, and that was the extent of the snowfall we got that year. It was basically wow. above zero all winter. It was absolutely fucking gorgeous. We had a pool in our backyard. It was sweet. Nice. Mm-hmm. So what has Alex been playing? Alex has been playing a couple of things. I got okay. back into Battle Chasers, because it's like it's oh. like one of those games I call in. I was like, did I really care about it as much as I did the first time? Could I really run through this again? Yes. Mm-hmm. I discovered this time that, like, apparently, if you just start spamming ingredients when you're making materials, like, like... 20-30% more materials, you can buff the uh, rarity. Hmm, yeah, 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 I know that. I didn't know you could fucking do that, so now mm-hmm. I can craft, like, purple shit, which just changes everything. Everything chance. I love that game. It's like the perfect miniature RPG. Like, if you have almost no assets to work with, what are the best ways you can just stretch that over three dungeons you probably couldn't afford to make otherwise? Hmm. Like, if you notice, like, there's just, like, there's, like, 17 different bats. There's, like, 30 different bandits. It's a little repetitive, but the game itself, like, the dungeons they're in and the bosses you fight eventually, it works. Oh, the the bosses were one of the high points. Yeah, and, like, they, it gets a, like, the last two bosses kind of come out of nowhere. It's, like, this feels like, like a mini boss in front of the last dungeon, not, like, a dungeon boss. But I get that you ran out of time. See, I worry that that's one of my fears about Darksiders Three is all, the bosses that they've shown look like mini bosses to me. More not for Darksiders Three; it's already dead. How do you know? It's it just they're not really talking about it. They're not really proud of it. the The demo we've seen it's the same it's area not, we saw was a year not ago. great. Yeah, no. and and this then they announced they announced that um, this other fucking game they're working on, this multiplayer game that Gunfire Games is doing. Like, are you, before before Darksiders 3 is even out, I'm pretty... Yeah, we, we, uh, this, this, we'll get to this in the headlines, I mm. guess, because uh, we didn't get to it last week, but yeah, I'm, I'm worried for Darksiders 3. Okay, yeah. so, uh, so Battle Chasers is a spiritual sequel to Darksiders. What else you got? It's not, by the way. I refute that in no uncertain terms. Yeah, but like it, it's hitting that... It's really well animated, it's well designed. In terms of presentation, you're right. And it's just, it's a game I could play almost forever, which is what Darksiders 2 was for me. And then, Mm. I put like 20, 30 hours into it, and it doesn't feel like that at all. 
which I can only say is like the best RPGs I've played. I'm having so much fun. Well, there's not many modern turn-based RPGs that really that really stuck out where it had really really good combat systems like and I'm even considering Persona in this Persona 5. Yeah. Like it was fine, but it was exactly as fine as it was in Persona 3 and Persona 4. It's the same fucking battle system, which was amazing at the time. Same fucking enemies. Same fucking enemies. But yeah, Battle Chasers was a turn-based battle system that did feel really tactical and you felt so fucking smart and cool when you when you kind of min-maxed it. Yeah. And had like each character feeding into the next, and oh god, it was good. It was good like, when it hummed. I only switched out um, uh, the the DPS guy. Oh shit, Garrison yeah. for um, uh, Monica this time. And yeah, it's she's a lot. She her, her her character description on Wikipedia is the word chainmail bikini period bombs period pistols period. That, that's yeah, it's pretty much it. That's, that's it. Pretty much it. But, she's she's a very problematic character in terms yeah. of gender representation. But mechanically, she's amazing. Really? Mechanically, it's like as you notice, like towards the end, it takes a long time to get through enemies. Yes, but Garrison she, was kicking so much ass that I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk it. Didn't wasn't really your like a, like a crit cannon. He could bleed stuff out, but that still took a lot of time and a lot of like planning. He was totally a crit cannon. He had skills specifically that upped his crit chance. And then yeah. you and then you do that like multi hit thing and things just die. But only when you got your charge bar up. Fair like I'm talking like turn for turn, like who could take out like two thi- two like little lesser guys at once. Oh really? Mana can do can do that. Hmm. She's got like I've got like a like forty percent critical chance. She has uh, a regular ability that's like two gunshots that do about seven hundred apiece. Ooh. And I'm just wiping out the minions like in the now, first turn. So, but but it sounds like if she's so good at minions, does she suck at bosses? No, her main abilities are fantastic for that. She can do. Uh, she has one ability called Expose Weakness. As long as um, Calibretta like puts like expose like a gut punch on the enemy, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like there's like what is it called sundered? Yeah, like she lowers can, the armor or something. <clears throat> she has a guaranteed critical hit on a thousand uh, on a uh, a thousand hits. So she does like three thousand per turn <laughs> for fifteen overcharge. So it was pretty fucking disgusting amount of damage. And, and I've got the, this on Switch. I highly recommend a Monica run because oh. it, it's just it's Calibretto and Gully. I could not get rid of those two. I love Gully. You, you can't get rid of Gully. Who's the you other can't. tank? There's she no does. Tank. She takes all the damage for you. She's yeah. amazing. She's the and for the listener, Gully is like a ten-year-old girl. Yeah, <laughs> she's a ten-year-old girl with really big gauntlets. Like I've I've got it so like I can do like uh, was it Hero Overcharge where like everyone gets a shield. I've got it so that she makes so much shields so and she uses Overcharge that they can last two turns without taking a hit. Oh, yeah, okay. Good. It's I, I so need to good. Go back to it. And I'm I'm kind of planning on abandoning Hollow Knight. Uh, you, you played it three times. That's enough. Yeah, I'm on my third playthrough, and uh, and given that you know that DLC is just coming in August, I'm like, okay, I can set you aside for a bit, yeah. just like I do with with Darkest Dungeon when the next DLC is on the horizon. I'll, I'll come back to you when uh, 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 was it the Color of Madness comes out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so so what was after Battle Chasers? What was after Battle Chasers? It's this little thing called Slay the Spire. Ah, yeah. okay. I gotta Google this. Yeah, it's. Good shit. It is. It is a early access game that's already getting ten out of tens. Holy shit! It's a yeah, like game. Yeah, but it's a deck building card game. It is fun as shit, man. 
it is it's it's like it's a great like in the background kind of a game. It can it can it gets tactical enough where it can take your whole attention, but you can totally just like write up write something in the background while you're playing it. It's just like it's completely turn based. There's no reflexes or anything at all. It teaches you how to not so much fight, like it's how do I put this? <coughs> I've never really played like a card game. I know it's like based off Hearthstone and that kind of thing, mostly Hearthstone, I assume. But like, it teaches you like how to use a card game rather than turn-based combat. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it's like getting hit really hurts. Like you mm-hmm. have to think about defending more than you need to think about attacking. And that's like a fundamental difference. And you cannot guarantee if you can fight or defend each turn because you're dedicated on what kind of hand you draw. So, like, you start out with, like, basically half defense, half uh, attack cards. And you you just basically, wait. if an enemy's attacking, you should really think about just negating all damage you possibly can. Okay, I, I'm, so uh, I watched a little trailer here on Steam. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yes. Um, not visually, a game. It... I I had friends and not friends, but people I knew in high school that could dr- draw better monsters in this, and I did not go to art school. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty hideous. It is, but, but you know you're so right. Just fun. sitting at like 100 percent on Steam or something. Yeah, it, it's so much fun. I've been playing it the entire time and having a blast. I'm playing it right now. This could become a let's play if it had to. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you know what? Yeah, this is a new thing we're doing. I right, let's 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 play Slay the Spire. So I'm in the second area. I've got... I just chose a card called Seeing Red. Now, Seeing Red costs one action, but I gain two actions. Okay. Like, it has, like, the the rarest ability in this game is, like, adding turns to your turn. No, I get it. Yeah. And it's basically the most powerful shade. If I upgrade Seeing Red, it costs no action. So I just, it, if I get that card in my hand, poof, I can attack twice. Okay. Yeah. Or I can use like a like a two charge card. No c- cards ever go over like three charges because you start with three charges on your first turn. So I'm fighting three cultist dudes. So I have a thing called clothesline, and it's gonna attack for twelve damage and make the enemy weaker. So he's gonna he wants to hit me with three. He's gonna hit me with one, and I'm probably going to die. Okay. I. They're all charging up their uh, cultist cry, which means that every for every turn this fight keeps going on, they get like thirty percent stronger. Okay. So I'll be dead within two turns. Okay. Uh, you better defend. I'm trying to defend. I have pulled almost all attacks. I got five block. That's not going to defend one wave. I'm going to get creamed. Yep. Yep. I'm down to forty health. They're all going to... I'm going to lose, like, 20 in this, this turn, so I'm going to die real soon and get back to just podcasting for real. I have a card here called Armit. This is one of my favorites. You get five block, and you upgrade a card in your hand. Okay. Like, and I've upgraded it so that, like, when I do that, I get five defense, and every single card in my deck for the rest of the fight gets, like, 20% more damage or block. Hmm, okay. It's nuts. Like the best cards in the game have almost nothing to do with damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so you've played this card. Now, what happens? Uh, I've basically I've got for something like thunderclap. Instead of doing like four damage and making all enemies vulnerable, it does like six damage and makes enemies vulnerable for two turns. Okay. So basically, doubles how useful useful that card is. Yeah. 
but okay, so you've you've told us a story of you getting your ass kicked, but you've got this card that you're about to play that's going to make all your other cards more powerful. And it then did. what happens, Alex? And then I've got enough defense to not get. I'm about like forty percent health, and I'm probably going to die. I'm going to give up something called Iron Wave so I can use Warcry, which oh jeez, which makes me draw like two new cards. So I've got. Man, there is so much more involved in this. I did not think this through. <laughs> but basically, you can you can stumble into the first two levels pretty easily. But once you get to like, I think, the, I think there's only four levels to it. It takes about forty five minutes to run through the whole game. Oh, but it's like those first two levels are so much fun. I could just do it, just almost oh. meditate while doing it. Oh. And that I appreciate. I like I like a game that just is like. You have 20 minutes you need to disappear, poof. You had like a half run of, uh, of Slay the Spire. That's how I felt about Don't Starve on Vita. Yeah, like once you yeah. get past the hideous enemies, like one of the main bosses is just a blue knight with a crown. Hmm. It's okay. sad how simple it is. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, I basically, I have this thing called Firewall, which hits enemies with like five fire damage when they hit me. So I basically wipe that, in, that whole fight. I just won. I did not see that hand possibly coming up, and I just beat it. Groovy. Like it, 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 it works like you don't see your defeat coming. You don't see some of your victories coming. Huh. It's unpredictable, tactical, and yet the randomness helps more than it hinders. But it can really piss you off when you're when the boss is about to like basically take out half your health bar, and you didn't draw any defense cards. That is utter utter bullshit. There was a there was a game I played that I forgot to mention. What's that? Galaxy Variant S oh, launched yes. on Switch on Thursday, July twelfth last week. As I recall, the first one of those games was one of your favorites. Galaxy: The Dimensional, which is available on PlayStation Four and Steam, is one of the greatest action games of all time, in my opinion. Um, one of the one of the one of the core tenets of a really good action game, for me at least is locomotion that's fun. This is why I absolutely love Gravity Rush. It's why I absolutely love Mark of the Ninja and Infamous 2 and the first Infamous. And um, because just getting around these worlds was a blast. And uh, just like kind of uh, Grin's Bionic Commando reboot, the act of navigating Galaxy, this zero gravity thing, it's your your ship is just drifting, pardon me, drifting along in zero gravity. And you have thrusters that can push you this way and that. But your thrusters first have to, like, stop your momentum. Or you have to hit your side thrusters to, like, start drifting in a circle or something. You had an insane amount of control, but you really had to learn it. It was very skill-based. And what you got once you got good at it, you were unstoppable. It was absolutely amazing. This, combined with the fact that everything in the game runs on physics. Asteroids are drifting around that run on physics. Uh, every enemy is impacted by physics, so if they're struck by something, they, they will go flying back, and if they hit a wall, they will bounce off it, and if they hit the wall hard enough, they'll get stunned, stuff like that. Um, and the the enemies were driven by some really good, like, fucking 
Halo quality AI. Where, Seriously? Oh yeah, like fighting How? the like fighting the grunts in Halo. Like they these guys are that smart, and they will like there are some. The way enemies... you, like did you have to outpilot them or how were they? Yes, you you had to outpilot them. You had to you could sneak up on them. Uh, you could like ambush them and then run away, and they will look for you in like a pattern. And then you could like sneak up on them from behind while they're still looking for you. So they would like do formations. And sh- I never got that far in there. They absolutely did formations. It was. It was, That's pretty neat. It was absolutely amazing. Galaxy the Dimensional on PS4 and PC is one of the greatest action games of all time. Galaxy Variant S is so much better. Switch uh, is actually a Switch version of Galaxy Variant S for smartphones. Um, so, first of all, in Galaxy, uh, you piloted this ship called the Galaxy that once you beat chapter one, you could transform at any time into a mech with like an awesome transformer sound. And then transform back on the fly. So what you could do is you could like run up to a guy in the mech, grab him with the mech, fling him into a wall, transform into a ship, and shoot him with shoot him with lasers. Ah. It was fucking amazing. It was absolutely fucking amazing. Okay. In Galaxy Variant S, you pick before a mission if you're going to play as the ship or the mech. No. Yeah. In Galaxy Variant S, the enemies don't appear to have any kind of AI whatsoever. They just come for you to shoot you. The camera is really zoomed in. There's no cat and mouse here. There's just this thing in front of you. You have to shoot it. In Galaxy Variant S, nothing appears to be running on physics. At all. Um, And just every single action you take feels really delayed. And and really kind of non-tactile, like just sw- you uh, just swinging the sword of the mech, it feels completely disconnected from the action on screen. It doesn't feel good at all. The impact of the sword into an enemy doesn't appear to have any impact at all. It's to playing this doesn't feel like you're playing Galaxy. It feels like you're playing. Um, it feels like you're playing a, a super a shittier, shitty game yeah, that put on Galaxies. That's put no, not even a shoot 'em up. Not even that good. What? It, it feels like this piece of shit that put on Galaxy's skin and is walking around and is saying, I'm still your friend. No, you're not. You're a fucking monster under there. You're a fucking monster with microtransactions. Listener, this thing is free on Switch. Don't fucking touch it. If you see it, keep scrolling. It just, it, it's evil. Don't let it into your home. Don't. Jake Kasdan, do not you should give be it fucking sugar ashamed. Water. Do not give it sugar water. Oh, it's fucking horrible. Oh, did you watch that uh, that most recent trailer for We Happy Few? The no. ABCs of happiness always be I'm, cheerful. I'm tentatively excited. That trailer hyped me, man. It looked really? so. It looked so Bioshock in that trailer. Because when when um, Gearbox really lights a fire under its ass, and it really needs to light a fire under its ass, it can pull something off that I think is worth it. And I think that crew already had a decent game. They wouldn't have gone under their wing if they didn't get everything they wanted. Well, um, so I, I need another Bioshock and a mod. Uh, 19, uh, let's see, Brave New World, Bioshock sounds fucking great. Yeah, one of the one of the interesting things about this trailer is it doesn't start off with the I think it's the no, it's not the Coalition, uh, Compulsion. Yeah, Compulsion Games. It doesn't start off with the logo for the developer. It starts off with the Gearbox logo, and this was this this trailer comes you know a month and a half after E3. This really feels like or a month I guess. This trailer really feels like a statement that. Uh, Microsoft doesn't own this studio yet. And I'm wondering if actually Gearbox now owns the We Happy Few property. Ooh. I'd be curious. I'd be curious if Microsoft well, owns it or if Gearbox does. And if Gearbox does, the sequel will suck, I know, but... 
Well... Yeah, be honest. It's not Borderlands. You can say it. it. No, they're working on Borderlands 3. It exists. Yeah, yeah, they are working on Borderlands 3, but if you gave them another game to work on, how good do you think that's going to be? Oh, they could... Borderlands 2 is one of my favorite games. If they just gave me Borderlands 3 again, or 2 again, I would be a pig of shit. You're missing my point. What's your point? My point is, if Gearbox owns the We Happy Few IP, okay. I anticipate there will never be a good We Happy Few game again, assuming this one Oh, yes, is. it will feed the beast. Yes, because Gearbox itself, um, they can make a good Borderlands game, and that's the end of my statement. Yeah, I, I, I will defend some of the modes. In, uh, the, the story mode of um, Battleborn was fun for about... 15 hours. You did love Battleborn. You were, you were very much a Battleborn apologist. I liked it. I, I thought the characters were great. There were like a bunch of great characters in search of a better game. Well, you know, it came from Gearbox, and it wasn't called Borderlands, so it's going to be phoned in. It wasn't phoned in. They didn't have enough time. Well, still, Like, if I, they had, like, another year and a half, that could have been something... Like, especially to get out from a little bit from... They, they would have still been swallowed by Overwatch, but it's a little more distance from Overwatch. It would have been a lot better. I just don't trust them, which I think is wise. Yeah, no, they have done some crooked shit, but they have made... Based on precedence. Yeah, but honestly, a little Bioshock in my Borderlands 3 doesn't sound like the worst thing. Uh, I don't think you're going to get that. I think Borderlands 3 is just going to be Borderlands 2 again, and this is going to be, you know, uh, indie-quality Bioshock for the current gen. We happy few, I mean. With a lot of, like, uh, do they tear out the uh, randomly generated stuff? Ah, uh, not that I've heard. Because what I've seen was did not impress. Well, I mean, okay, this game has been in development for, like, I feel like it's been five years now, four or five at least. Yeah. Um, if it's, uh, hang on, let me, let me, let's just... Maybe we, three. We, uh, no, no, no. I, I go four. We have a few, I'm gonna, okay, it's an upcoming indie survival and adventure game, it does not mention, you have a few, adventure games and a drug-fueled retro. We have a few announcement. The uh, the Steam page has got it, or for the for the early access has got it at seven out of ten. Yeah, the early access wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's now unavailable for pre pre purchase. Yeah, yeah. As soon as Uh, Gearbox bought them, it was taken off the store page, and there everyone was offered a refund. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No longer says okay. Okay. Uh, Discover the. doesn't say three interwoven narratives. Plays three characters, each have a unique storyline. Yeah, it doesn't say that the proceed. It doesn't say anything about the proceed. Oh, it, uh, dystopia of very own. In we happy for you. No two playthroughs are alike. While the citizens of Wellington Wells will always want to ensure that you've taken your joy, the procedurally generated world will ensure that your experience with we happy few is different and unique. Wellington Wells is never quite like you remember it. So it sounds like that's still in. Okay, cool. Well, well, they can pull it, it off. All the power it, to them. If they can pull it off. But, you know, so many companies have. A lot of companies have done procedural generation really, really well. For example, Dead Cells. I haven't even fucking played that. Yeah, it's fucking great. There you Actually, go. Um, the, some of the dungeons in um, uh, battle, battle Chasers, I felt like it hasn't been updated because I'm gone. You have to download all the updates. I haven't even bothered because I haven't even seen any bugs. It feels like there was new content added, but it was just shit that was in the game I hadn't seen yet. Hmm. No, was it actually shit that was in the game you hadn't seen, or was it a procedurally generated dungeon? Like, it was, like, a bunch of, like, new little, like, you know those mini little, like, adventure game quests that are in the dungeons? Yes. Like, the, like this one that's, like, just literally just a text adventure in a book. 
Hmm. And you get like a weapon when you beat it. I'm going to say that's not procedural generation. No, but like it was a part of the game I hadn't seen yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, and actually, you know, I had two stories about Overwatch that I wanted to tell, but I actually just put that in the Game Diary post today. So uh, does that mean it's time for headlines? It sure does. Headlines! <clears throat> in Overwatch news, a $200 Hanzo figure is now available for pre-order. Uh, a Blizzard announced uh, last week that the Pink Mercy skin raised over $12.7 million for the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. That's, that's a disgusting amount of money. That is an awesome amount of money, and apparently that is the single largest donation that the BCRF has ever received. Ever. All right, gamers. All we need right some gamers. good press. This is good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to whatever the next one is. Like, I want to see, like, you know... It will never be Tracer. I'm, I think Tracer for LGBT... LGBTQ rights would be a really good call. I also think Zenyatta for uh, for ball cancer would be a really good call. Um, I I say for Tracer, I say Rainbow Cape. I'm not sure if she's already got that. What's the color on the other one? But yeah, you're right. Like uh, I don't. Maybe that'd be too on the nose. No, I think she'd own it. No, but she really it, would. Like in yeah. Tracer, I could see Tracer if Tracer was a real person. I could totally see her wearing a yeah Rainbow Cape. But anyway. Either way, I think I I think it's this is this is really good. I think anything that gets me another awesome skin for but the thing is, I guarantee you the next one they do won't be for a character that I give a shit about. There's only two of those. There's Mercy Tracer, maybe May. So <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Torb needs more skins, I guess. Yeah. Um yeah, the endorsement system is now live in game. I really, really like it. Um Chamberlain had a lot of issues with it because it uh oh did I oh yeah. Chamberlain had a lot of issues with it because uh, when after a match you can endorse up to three players on your team or the enemy team three total and every time you endorse someone you get 50 XP and XP is what goes towards opening your next next loot box and he thought well this is that makes the entire system stupid because uh, the person giving the endorsement has an incentive to endorse you and I'm like yeah but I don't ever endorse someone who I don't think that deserves an endorsement I give uh, I give endorsements to the people who play tanks and healers on my team. Thank you so much for filling that role. And if there's an enemy who really impressed me, I'll give them a sh I'll give them a sportsmanship endorsement. And it's it feels really nice to do that. It feels nice to say you get a gold star and you get a gold star and you okay, get a gold but star. But are people rewarding you for the good things that you do? Yes, I'm currently yeah. level three, um, which I think is like middle of the road. Oh, so it's like a progress bar. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. You you have no idea where you are, how many endorsements you need to go from level zero to level one, or from level one to level two. Um, it never tells you. All you see is there's a number, and there's a circle around the number, and that circle is filled in percentageness with you. I've received like, hang on. In fact, I can go to overbuff and tell you exactly what my percentages are. My shot caller percentage is is too low as far as I'm concerned. But mm -hmm. here we go. I am 11% shot caller, 48% good teammate, 41% sportsmanship. Most sportsmanships, I like to think, are given by the other team to you. Um, but even even so, just to get to get up to level three, just playing DPS, I do feel pretty good about. Um, the other interesting thing about it is that it decays. If I play a bunch of matches in uh, quick player arcade or quick player competitive, uh, and I don't get any endorsements my level may start to fall. Uh, the other thing is, is if I ever get any kind of action taken against me, like silence for abusive chat, banned from comp for a week because of some bullshit, whatever, 
I've never had a strike against me for anything. But if I ever got even one, my endorsement level goes to zero. So that, people... That ahead. could lead to some some bullshit. Or are you like, thinking like bullshit like people... Like intentionally popping it? their little like good sportsmanship bubble? Oh. But for what purpose? Mm, Outside of being a troll. Take you for the lulls. Tick you off. Well, yeah, but, you know, you tick me off. You lose your endorsement levels. Okay, okay. Congratulations. So it's, it's like a herd immunity. Okay. Well, I mean, okay, well, the result of this actually is uh, Blizzard did put out some stats in the last week, between this week and last week. Um, so the endorsement system apparently has reduced abuse of chat in North America, like the typed in game, by 26.4%. Nice. And pl- and uh, reports of players just being abusive generally is down 28.8%. So it has had a large and measurable positive impact on the behavior of people in the game. Well, Blizzard gets a cookie. They do. They do. Uh, New Hero Hammond is out July 24th for Quick Play and Arcade. Uh, the tweet announcing the date also shows Hammond on a previously unseen tropical beach-looking map. How do you, how do you like Hammond? Um, I think he's interesting. I think... Um, I think he'll he'll only be really effective in high. I, th- I think he's a really high skill character, but that's what I find very interesting about him, and that I'm actually interested in playing him. How because do you have it, a high skill tank? Um, well, I mean, almost every tank is actually high skill, but their skill is more game awareness and positioning. And okay, yeah. Hammond is more kind of like a Zarya, where it's high technical skill. Um, for two reasons. First of all, he's, his weapon is a hit scan, much like Zarya's, but it doesn't. It has much better range. Uh, hit scan are generally considered harder to hit with. Second is the fact that his locomotion. Um, the way Hammond works is he turns into a ball and he can shoot at a grappling hook and swing around the point at which he impacts the wall. Right. So you can like leap into the air, hook into the wall next to you, and, and be a like, wrecking ball. And be a, be a literal wrecking ball. Swing around nice. on this hook, and and as and the point of him is that once he hits a high speed while swinging, he'll now deal fifty damages to, damage to any enemy he impacts, and that enemy will be thrown. I think it's twenty yards. Or it's either ten or twenty yards in the direction that he's flying at them at. Um, so his boops are potent and and very. Uh, they can come Boop, out a lot. Boops, boops are serious. Boops are insta kills. That's right. Boops can be absolutely huge in the game. And not only that, but his line doesn't break. It doesn't have like a time, a time limit on it. So what a Hammond can do is he can hook his line into like the middle of a payload, and then just swing around the payload indefinitely until he dies if he wants what? to. Also, while he's in ball form, he can't be headshot. But the mechanic of the swing, the physics of the swing, is what's going to separate uh, the hamsters from the gerbils here. Because uh, that part is hard to get down, apparently. And that part is really interesting and really attractive to me, because I love swing mechanics like that. I loved Bionic Commando so much. Yeah, that does sound fun. Is it fun? It sounds super fun, and for some reason it's generally a mechanic that I can intuit really, really well and actually make work without even really knowing why I'm making it work. So I think I might actually be a good Hammond. I'm really looking forward to finding out. Probably not, but I'm looking forward to it. I like how like the best Overwatch player in the world is a, is like a DPS Zen. Oh uh, well, look, Jayhong is Jayhong. <laughs> like, are you thinking of Jayhong or Jonak? Oh, the, the guy who got that huge profile in uh, Kotaku. Uh, I think it was Jonak. Like, yeah, it was Jonak. I, I have so much fun as Zen. He, he he's my favorite. No, he is really good. 
like uh, if you can land shots on Zen, he's an absolute monster. Yeah, it's so but much fun. Once you establish that you can land shots on Zen, we're going you, to try to focus you. Yeah, and that's when that's when my strategy falls apart. That's right. But I'm so good from a distance. I can get like the right angle, like between like doors, yeah. and they're on a higher plane. They, they don't even see me. And getting just landing a good barrage with Zen is intoxicating. Yeah. It's it's like it's like if you if you've ever done a really good deflect and dash with Genji, where like three guys are in the hallway and you deflect everything back at them and you kill two and then you dash through and you kill the last one. Oh, I that have is been endearing. Killed by that so many times. It's very endearing to pull that off, but I'm still a shitty Genji. But I've done that and it. Fuck. Makes you want to drew it again. Is there Just still a Genji in every single round? Still? No. No. Good. But there's definitely a Hanzo. Mm, I can he, deal with... I don't mind Hanzo as much. Yeah, you haven't played against new Hanzo. Believe what, me, so you don't like him. Is the wolf shit still as irritating as it used to be? Um, well, it's not just that. It's that instead of scatter arrow, he now has this thing called storm arrow, which launches a bunch of arrows at 80% or 80 damage, and they just go... Choo, 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 choo. Like, there is no charge time. They just zip off almost that fast, basically. And so with that much damage, he can take down a tank if the tank isn't being shielded, for example. Like he, he'll put out about 500 damage with that, uh, which, again, is a tank's worth of health. Or he could just flat out kill two squishies with it. Um, yeah, like it, it's absolutely awful. He's putting on way too much consistent damage. They also increase the speed of his arrows, so it's easier to land shots with him, which means he's dishing out more damage that, overall, what? which means he is launching a dragon every single team fight. So this is just the Hanzo game. Right now, it really is. Hanzo is overtuned, and that's why people are playing him. If anything, they should have slowed him down. I agree. I agree. What but, the uh, fuck? Blizzard disagrees. Well, Blizzard wanted to rework him because the entire community says, look, getting killed by Scatter Arrow isn't fucking fun. And Blizzard but were like, yeah, that's true. this is fun either. No, this is not fun either. But at least this is not fun in a direction that has some counterplay. There is no counterplay to getting scattered. You just die. Okay. You just instantly die. Anyway. Uh, also, the reworked Symmetra is now available in competitive play. And that's it for Overwatch news. In general headlines, uh, Cutie Pie Pastel JRPG Trilogy Atelier Maruru, Totori, and Rurona were announced for PS4 and Switch this week. Also in Atelier news, a new title called Nelki and the Legendary Alchemists, colon, Ateliers of the New World, will get a physical release on PS4 and Switch and will be available digitally on PC this winter in the West. There needs to be a guy that works at Japanese game companies that says when you translate the title to English, he just says... You can have legendary alchemists, or altiers in the new world. You get to, you can pick one. Well, okay. First of all, Atelier is the um, it's the name of the series. Uh huh. Yeah. So and and uh, it's the French word for workshop, and because that's because every hero in the series is an alchemist, and half of the game is creating alchemy recipes and leveling up your alchemy skill. So every game is Atelier something. But like um, a title can't, shouldn't be a sentence. You know, it's very Japanese. Like, you know, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's how you're going to get. But what you're also going to get with these games is just a really kind of... Th- picture, like, a very light white cake with, like, a a sharp but sweet uh, uh, kind of uh, lemon frosting on it. Okay, something, it's like a sheet, sheet cake. Something very light that you really don't have to feel bad about. And, oh, it's, it's sweet and it's really not that complicated at all and uh, not very interesting, but mm, not bad. That's an Atelier game. All right. Yeah, they're very, they're very light. Uh, indie Metroidvania Chasm will launch on PS4 and Vita on July 31st with Crossby. Uh, I encourage a listener to go check out a trailer for Chasm because that looks pretty fucking good. 
uh, coming to Switch, free-to-play third-person shooter Warframe, Skullgirls, and Velocity 2X. Uh, Not a Hero, a 2D arcade action shooter from the team that made Ollie Ollie, is coming August 2nd, and Z-Boyd's Cosmic Star Heroin will launch on the Switch on August 14th. Be very careful with the spelling of Cosmic Star Heroin. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I I, I just heard you. I'm like, what? No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This Cosmic Star stuff, man, you never felt anything like it. Jimmy Jimmy died last week. I have heard it's kind of like flying through space. Uh, in an interview last week, from Software's legendary game designer Hidetaki Miyazaki described Sekiro Shadows Die Twice as very different from the Souls series. It doesn't have RPG-style stat customization, there is no asynchronous multiplayer, no messages from other players, and no more summoning players to help with a tricky boss. Uh, he's describing it as kind of character-driven, where <clears throat> the entire point of the plot uh, isn't like you know some ancient kingdom that you're exploring it is your relationship to another character and you have an objective so yeah that's fine like if any again if anyone's got a complete you know leap of faith for me it's them it's from software the thing is I've played some of those old armored core games and I'm like no this doesn't feel good to play so but you know I mean this is this this looks like but Kingsfield sucks too it does, but this to me looks like the evolution of the speeding up of Souls Combat that they did in Bloodborne. It's that sped up combat plus um, it's even easier. It's like you, it sounds like you're going to have a really small health bar in this, and there's tons of locomotion options and and ways to get around. Um, it's not like a plotting game at all. It's really fast, so I'm looking. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of it. I will not not give From Software my money. Until the day I stop playing games. Well, they'll they'll have to disappoint me pretty consistently to, to yeah. Yeah, to like, become a write off like Ubisoft. It it would I would have to be. It would have to be Assassin's Creed situation. Yes. Like you don't. Uh, how can I miss you if you won't go away? No, it would have. No, it would have to be an Assassin's Creed situation where I'm bored of you. You're not interesting anymore, and you're not even looking to improve yourself. <laughs> Like that's yeah. that's when I walked away from Assassin's Creed. I have Creed. half finished a bunch of Assassin's Creeds. Yeah, because it's the same fucking game over and over again. Yeah. And then even when it started to become to, to kind of go off its own direction with uh, with Origins, it was like too little, too late for me. Yeah, that, and honestly, that story fizzled out like three acts in. Yeah, I got like, one more act to go, and I just I don't care. Yeah, that that was an Assassin's Creed game that didn't need to be an Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Drinkbox's Oz Crazy Awesome First Person Dungeon Crawler Severed is getting a physical edition on Vita through East Asia Soft, available exclusively through online retailer Play Asia. For 35 bucks. Uh, I think pre-orders start July 25th. Tw- didn't July 26th. Even, didn't even... Plasia's just right there. Plasia? Yeah. I wouldn't have gone for that. I would have I stuck with Play Asia if that's my company. Yeah, yeah I would also Plasia. like Plasia. Yeah. Plasia sounds like a disease. It does. Yeah. I'm afraid your son has come down with plasia. There's nothing we can do. Plasia! My grandfather had it. Anyway. I'll never walk right again. <laughs> uh, Darksiders 3 was has an official release date. It is coming this year, <sighs> November 27th. There is a $60 normal edition, a $130 special edition, and a $400 edition with four well, shitty little figures. It's, it's more like his insurance right now, and they're dumping him out of the hospital. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we had a very large discussion last week with the podcast that we lost, but, um, 
yeah, I'm not. None of us are feeling very confident about Darksiders three. Um, it just doesn't it, look finished. No, it doesn't look like a finished polished game. Like the second I saw on November twenty seventh, I was like, oh, that's a real release date. Oh, that's way too soon. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. They're just. It feels like they're just kind of shoving it out the door, regardless of whether or not it's done. And it doesn't, based on what we've seen from this IGN coverage the last week, it does not look like a finished game. Nope. It looks like the same dungeon I saw a year ago. Not any different. Nope. It looks like the worst parts of Darksiders 2, which is bad. Um, yeah, but, but like even then... parts towards the end which were really slapped together. But even then, um, at least the... When I think of Darksiders 2, one of the first things I think of is the locomotion. And the fact that they really took like the wall running and the um, the climbing the pl- up the uh, platform was great. Yeah, the platforming of Prince of Persia and they put it into fucking an open world action RPG. It was amazing. And yeah. you saw none of none of the plot. Like even the first Darksiders had some light platforming. You saw none of this in the gameplay that they showed. And that's weird. Yeah. Like you wouldn't go this long in Darksiders two without a little like something to jump on. Yes, and um, and you know like they have shown stuff with her like swinging on the whip. They have shown platforming in the past, but then they put out like a, an 11 minute gameplay sequence with with no platforming whatsoever. There was no. some light puzzle solving, which I did actually think was kind of interesting. Like you fill up a bug with fire, and then the bug becomes a bomb that you can throw. That's kind of cool. And then they get to, and then she gets to the, the mini boss at the end of this walkthrough, and you're expecting finally this combat sequence is going to end with a classic Darksiders over the top finishing animation. It doesn't. The boss just dies. Um, it doesn't look finished. I'm really scared for Darksiders 3, and I say this because I fucking love Darksiders. Darksiders 1 and 2 were some of my favorite games of the last 10 years. Hey, just, I'm just refreshing the page for Battle Chasers 2. Yes. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder how well it did. I don't know. Me neither. I know um, uh, Hollow Knight hit a million on PC. Yeah, but, uh, okay, what... What's the? It's not Gunfire Games. What's the name of the studio? It's like Airship Chasers? Syndicate. Or yeah, something. that's right. Airship Syndicate. Let's see what they're doing. Airshipsyndicate.com. Uh, explore. Buy on Steam. Buy on Amazon. Airship Twitter. Da-da-da. They're still tweeting about Battle Chasers. So if they've got anything else going on, they haven't announced it yet. Yikes. Okay. And Battle Chasers was, came out like two years ago, I think. No, it's all, it hasn't been a year yet. Really? No, it's 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 been maybe a year. Okay. Uh, awesome-looking Roguevania Dead Cells launches on PS4, Switch, and Xbox One on August 7th. It is worth your time and money. That's a day one, and you've never played the final edition, I don't think. Uh, is it done? I, I think the, the one on Steam right now is still early access. Yeah, no, I haven't. Like, it's, it's better than most finished games I've played. Uh, Dead Cells. Yeah, it's still early access on Steam. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty hyped for that. Oh, so Battle Chasers was October 2017. Oh, okay, so yeah, not yet a year. Uh, Hyperlight Drifter on Switch, it was revealed, will run at 60 frames per second. Uh, the original release on, X, on PS4 and PC only ran at 30 and got a patch down the road. Uh, it will include new weapons that they call a double sword, but I watched some new gameplay, and what the, what the Drifter does is he throws his light sword like a javelin, and then as he recalls it, it like spins around and does area of effect damage. 
Mm. Yeah, kind of interesting. And it will also, quote, feature a new area to explore. There is still no release date, and it's kind of killing me. Um, and it turns out this is really heartbreaking news. The now-shuttered Visceral Games had some really cool ideas for Dead Space 4. Uh, there was a Eurogame article about this this week. Okay, so do you remember the Lost Flotilla in Dead Space 3? Yeah. Best part of the fucking game, right? Yeah. Dead Space 4 is the Lost Flotilla stretched over an entire game. No. Where you're going between derelict ships and gathering resources to survive and power your ship to move on to the next sector. Because the Necromorphs have already just destroyed Earth and taken over Earth. What? And you and the and a raps, a ragtag remnants of humanity are desperate to survive in the, in the dark reaches of space. <sighs> that doesn't sound fucking awesome to you? That that's soul crushing, that we didn't get that. Yes, like that. That is that's what Dead Space Three should have been in its entirety. There was way too much fucking snow in Dead Space Three. Way too much snow. It was not interesting. Like they thought, like yeah, snow is just as scary. Like the the light of the snow is as scary as the dark. It's fucking not. Like I liked some of the parts towards the end where like there was all those ice walls and like flares, red flares. Yeah, the only the only that, that kind of did it for me. The only visuals I really remember from Dead Space 3 are the flotilla, or that really stand out to me as positive, are the flotilla and the alien city at the very end of the game. Oh, that was nice. I did, was like, a, I did like the aliens, ultimately. Yeah. They're um, kind of like, like octopus, elephant, crazy shit. Yes, it was like, yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, basically Dead Space 3 or Dead Space 4 might have been cool, but you can thank EA for making sure we'll never have that. God damn it, EA. Um, I didn't actually check out the article on it, but apparently microtransactions have been completely removed from Middle-Earth's Shadow of War. Yeah, I remember when they turned one of their dead developers into a money-making opportunity? Yeah. It wasn't a Amazing. dead developer. It wasn't a dead developer. People wanted a sequel to Middle-Earth uh, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. They wanted that game. And instead we got, you know, Middle-Earth yes. Shadow of Microtransactions. Like, Jesus Christ, guys, you can't be this naked about it. They could have been a franchise. They could have been a serious franchise. It's dead now, man. Yeah. Let's kill this goose and see how much gold it is inside. Don't There's nothing be... here! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you just... You already paid 60 bucks. Just lay off, man. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you have, like, unless you've got, like, a server situation where you're a multiplayer game where that does cost... You got rent to pay. I do kind of get it. I'll give you a little more, you know, edge there. But it was a single-player game. No, if there were any, if there was any server overhead, it was to track people's microtransactions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, like, because the end game of Shadow of War was all about grinding for loot boxes or buying them in order to get the heroes that you needed to finish the game. So I'm really wondering how that, how the final chapter of Shadow of War actually plays now if they went in and made changes to it or probably the way Diablo 3 turned when they got rid of the auction house hmm so basically only for good yeah like hmm. I I fell on Diablo 3 pretty hard two months ago and that was that was great well I don't think we have to fillet Diablo 3 we all love it here uh, we do like, Diablo but 3 is I, fantastic I didn't like it the first time I played it but that's just because I played a shitty character oh which character was it uh, uh, Demon Hunter Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you just, there's no defense. They just break through and kill you all the time. Well, you got to trap them. you gotta, you got you to gotta play yeah, That didn't slow them down enough. Ugh, and there's no, there almost no area of effect damage. Ugh. 
Uh, Hollow Knight's final and perhaps most ambitious DLC, Gods and Glory, will launch August 23rd on all platforms. So basically that's like PC and Switch. Um, it will include a whole bunch of new bosses, a slew of new music, new NPCs, new quests, and new game plus. So Alex, are you Yay. looking to the new game plus? Yes. Okay, so I explain. New game plus. Yeah, but well, you just... it just looks like they just throw a bunch of enemies at you. So it's... I, I'm thinking they maybe it, it's been months since I've seen that, so maybe they pared it back a bit. But mm. yeah, I, I saw an arena with like five of those like spitting bees. Okay, but was that specifically new game plus, or was that just like a new arena that they're throwing into? Like maybe it was there's a new just arena. more, more it was challenges. Like light, in the arena. It was like light shafts and shit. Okay, so you don't have any evidence that the new game plus is actually like Hyperlight Drifter. No, that's what it looks. There's there's a video up that shows you. Yeah, but the video was showing new content. Does the video dis- explicitly discuss what the rules are for New Game Plus? No. Oh, well then we don't know. But we know it has a New Game Plus. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping it's the type of New Game Plus that doesn't actually make the game harder. You're just more powerful. That's it the sounds kind like I that like. you lose obviously you lose all the key and abilities and stuff. But so what do you keep your, your trinkets? Yep. Hmm. But I, I, that would be I, handy. I don't know. I don't know either. I want my sword to stay powerful. I want to have my leveled up sword because that's the that's the hardest thing to deal with. Yeah, it is. Uh, and South Park: The Stick of Truth has been officially announced for Nintendo Switch, and new DLC for Fractured But Whole called Bring the Crunch will launch on July thirty first. Hmm. And that's the end of headlines this week. But really, that's that that's two weeks worth of headlines. So. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, I could talk about the Handmaid's Tale or Handmaid's Tale. Okay, yeah, that did that. Did that get a series a season finale? It did. I'm okay. only catching up in the first season. Oh, okay. Okay. Did How's you that see going? it? No, I never watched it. It's uh, it, Hulu, right? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is bleak as fuck. Like pause halfway through for Bob's Burgers breaks bleak. Wow. It is rough. Like it's, and it's not interesting. It's it's like got this grand soap opera thing going on. It's not interesting. It's really boring. Not the, a whole the lot. The themes happens. of taking away human rights, the specifically along gender lines, isn't the, interesting the, and and compelling in today's political climate. It's, it's, it, the things it's trying to say are effective and it pulls it off. But like the actual what what what? Oh, the moment to moment watching it. The moment to moment stuff of what what Elizabeth Moss is doing is so drab. And like the the, the 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 episode descriptions sound a lot more interesting than the show I actually watch. Uh-huh. Like it, I've skipped an episode or two and haven't missed it. You know what I mean? Like almost like like there's like there's, they no, don't even flesh out the world well. Like there's some stuff from the book that hasn't aged great. There's some like rough dialogue. There's like a uh, one of the um, maid maids goes insane and like it, it, she talks like the way someone would write a crazy character in the eighties. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is a little too much, and the actress is really trying to sell it, but she can't. And I can say like oh, this is clearly from the book. I I, I feel like they could have worked harder on it. But when the way like the 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 like the static of the soundtrack swells when when um. Uh, offer it is like wondering whether the guys in black coats just stepped out of the van or coming after her or someone right next to her. That shit is terrifying. That shit is amazing. This is the best, one of the best Orwellian governments I've ever seen. It's terrifying. It's fucked up. See, it's hard not to segue from this into current events. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> and that's why it takes me so long to get through it, because it's not wrong about anything that happens. Yeah. And, like, the, 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 the flashbacks to, like, how they took power are rough to sit through. Familiar? Like, there's a, there's a great slow-motion sequence of just, like, cops just taking out howitzers and mowing down protesters. And then just sweeping. That was amazing. That was an Emmy right there. Hmm. Elizabeth Moss is spectacular. Hmm. The character she's playing hasn't aged well, but she's playing the shit out of it. When is Game of Thrones coming back? Not for a long time, buddy. God damn it. It's the yeah, final season, though, right? Yeah, and basically they're making six movies. Really? I mean, you, can, you can have two years for that. That's okay. fine. Yeah, fair enough. Like, each episode's going to be like an hour and 15 minutes. There's only six. I am really not interested in that spinoff that they're talking about. No, Duncan Egg sucks. Don't listen to don't listen to the nerds. Who who's, it, it, who's Duncan X? It's Duncan Egg. It's one of those uh, side story series. Yeah, it's a lo- it's a lot more broad. It's a lot more the best parts of Game of Thrones, but like it's more of a straightforward action fantasy thing. Hmm. It's not bad, but it's just well, it's a step down. You know, as long as the thing is, I'm 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 in the market for something that is you know like mature and and does do like plot progression really really well, which is something that Game of Thrones does really really fucking well. Um, it'd just be nice if they kind of like tone down the sexual violence a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like if if you can give me that, like basically, and um, to bring us back to the beginning of this episode. I'd like something to take the place of Justified in my heart. <laughs> you know? Oh, man, I I just, I'm ever I'll, get watch, that. I'll watch Justified again, for yes. sure. Yes, no, that's, that's the thing. I've, I've, yeah, I'll just watch it again. How did you trying. know where I was? <laughs> Boy, your teeth glow in the dark. <laughs> so funny, it's, so good. It, it, it was, it was really good. I need to go back and watch it again. And I'm so sad that Timothy Oliphant is like, all he's doing right now is that zombie show with Drew Barrymore on Netflix. It's, it's okay. It's not good. It's not good. And what's, um, what weirds me out is that the weakest part of that cast is actually Drew Barrymore. Yeah, she's not... Yeah. And that's... that's but, but, been whoa, Nathan Fillion... Four. Nathan Fillion's a regular in season two, and he's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, he's a... Doesn't he die, though? Yeah. I thought he, he died comes back season... as a severed head, and he's amazing. Oh, no way! Yeah, no, season two was good. Season Ooh. two was better. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah, didn't I tell you this? No. No, season two is fun. I like mm. it. And mm. it ends on a, like a... Like a kind of a cliffhanger kind of a you, you like kind of a um like this is a direction we could go in it's kind of a great it ends on a it ends on a mushroom cloud like a literal mushroom cloud yeah it does in a fun way okay <laughs> like it's a, it's a good show okay. I, I, I really want to see season three well, well I, I want Timothy Olyphant to succeed so maybe I'll look into this yeah like there's like one scene where like he's they're scouting people to kill and he, they didn't know this guy was a Nazi yet and he looks at this guy's like cabin and is like oh my god Oh my God! The finish is this mahogany? Jeez, whoa! Well, that's that's something. That he's looking at all this Nazi memorabilia. I was like, oh well, that. Oh man, a fluted buttress on the end, honey. Like they haven't made it like like this in like two generations. This, this thing is ancient. Oh jeez. Yeah, the Nazi crap. Yeah, yeah. I I I feel like this is too many to be a gift. <laughs> like this is fun dialogue. Okay, that does sound pretty good. Yeah. All right, I'm, I'll, I'll have to look into that because I am in a yeah. new. I am in the market for a new show right now. The rotation is like old episodes of House. I now, 
No, I, I, used, I used to love House, but I just kind of I, can't, I fell out of like mainstream main network serials. Like I just I can't. I'm yeah, a snob. Ho- house is it. House is good for having on while I'm playing Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. I don't yeah, have it's to great for just your daily dose of Hugh Laurie, which we all need. That's right. That's right. Those ba- those baby blues and that scruff. His American accent was fantastic. It was really, really was. And then, yeah, like it always weirds me out when someone does a perfect American accent, and then you hear them actually talking. Like, um, like that that asshole who played Superman. What's his name? Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry so, Cavill. Yeah, amazing American accent. And then you hear him oh. actually talk and do an interview, and you're like, wow, you're kind of a dick. Yeah, he's kind of a dick. Kind but did you see the man from Uncle? Yeah, I was amazing. He was. He, I love like he, his sixties American accent. It's amazing. And him, him and uh, him and Army Hammer did a great fucking. And who was the girl? The the. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but not, she, not Vikander, but she's good. Uh, was it not Vikander? No. Yeah, okay. That's someone else. Uh, it's, the man. Brr, Vikander was Laura Croft. Yeah, but I think. Sh- and it's a different actress. Twenty fifteen. Here we go. IMDb. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Alicia Vikander. Oh, it is? Yeah, it is. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, I called it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, Man from Uncle is kind of like one of those ownable movies where once every two years you put it on, it's like, man, this was yeah. really fresh. Guy Ritchie is a better director than people give him credit for. I completely agree. Like, oh, like even have, you, that, have you seen the fourth season of Sherlock? Uh, that was Guy Ritchie? No, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to circle around there. Okay. Did you see the source in Sherlock? Yeah, is that the one with 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 the guy who has everything in his memory palace? No, that was season three. Okay, that was, was the beginning of the end. Okay, no, uh, then I remind me about season four. Yeah, because I did. Four, I did, but I don't remember. Season it well. four, uh, Sherlock has a secret evil sister he's forgotten about. Right, that was so bad. I hated that. Yeah, so I, I'm going to make the argument that the the Guy Ritchie Sherlock movies even out to be better than the show. Um. Well, for the first for the first movie, I totally agree. With the second movie, I thought it was uh, thought it was pretty slapdash. But I think a better, honestly, a better Moriarty story and a better Moriarty finale than the show did. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. I agree. Because the show was just like maybe they both survived. No, fuck you, Moffat. Yeah, no, fuck I, you. I I do agree. But I loved, I loved how that guy played Moriarty. I, I love. I no. It was so you didn't see it. You didn't see his his it was playfulness a coming. Too mincing to me. Um, like I feel like he's he's trying too hard to come off as homoerotic. Yeah, especially towards especially towards the end, where he's like literally a queen. I don't remember that. Where he's like he's dressed up in the crown jewels. Yeah. Well, no. What what I remember is is kind of the introduction scene to the character in the pool. That was good. He, I do, yes. That does hold up. That was an incredible scene, and that that is the one that stays with me. That's the best episode. It was uh, catch you like, later. The, the setup for him, no, like with uh, like, having like the old lady on the phone, just like sobbing, just reading his words. That was fucking great. Yes, it was. But that final confrontation between Robert Downey Jr. and the actor whose name I don't remember. Um, oh, oh, Jared Harris. Oh, my God. Yeah, over over the chess game was amazing. Yes! Was absolutely amazing. And uh, that I've final battle. That, yeah. I have that soundtrack, and every time it pops up, like, every th- two or four weeks, and I just, it's like seven minutes, and I listen to it every time. It's fantastic. And that, that King Arthur movie that Guy Ritchie did. Yeah. 
I didn't see that. Okay, it's got the guy who was the lead and who plays Jax in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, yeah, he wait, plays no, King he Arthur. Was in the... Wait, okay. yes, he plays King Arthur in this, and it is it is very much kind of like that fast paced Guy Ritchie feel, and so much so much character, so much flavor. Again, very Guy Ritchie. Like this Arthur was brought up in a brothel in the underworld. And he's a real street smart kind of guy. Like it's still very much a Guy Ritchie fucking movie, but it also has. It, it felt like, it felt a lot like those Ooh, those it's those got a big thirty percent Rotten Tomatoes. Oh no, like it's not great, but uh, it, it felt a lot like. Do you remember Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like just let's like, you know let's just go have a fun adventure with swords. But at least this Robin Hood or King Arthur's English. Yes, and. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say I enjoyed it more than that uh, that fucking Robin Hood with Russell Crowe, which had an yeah, amazing that cast. Was originally supposed to be based on a book called um, uh, Nottingham, hmm. which was about the sheriff just investigating Robin Hood using like 12th century investigation techniques. Oh, that sounds really boring. And it sounded fantastic. Oh. And they ripped all that out. Oh, yeah. Th- this seems to be something that tries to insert Robin Hood into. The, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms of Britain. Yeah, it's more about the Magna Carta than fucking Robin Hood. Yeah. yeah so, what the shit? So that aspect of it was pretty interesting, and I did like the fact that you've got, like, a middle-aged Robin Hood courting a middle-aged Maid Marian. That aspect yeah, of it yeah. I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, so that that wasn't bad. Anyway. Anyway. I think that's all I I've got, about, son. Yeah, me too. All right. Um, We miss you, Jim. We do. And we'll, we're going to say that every week until you come back to us. We're, we're minus six charisma. There's a there's a candle in the window for you. We're waiting. But no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. You take the time you Find need. Find your joy. That's right. And push comes to shove. Uh, we Happy Few comes out in just a few short weeks. Ooh. And they'll force you to take it. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, joy. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me this week. Hey. My pleasure. Chance, thank you so much for talking. It's what I do. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you in a week. Ba-dum-bum.